Hello and welcome to the Rugby Show on the 42.ie. My own name is Gavin Casey and I'm delighted to be joined by Mr Eddie O'Sullivan. Eddie, how are things? Good, thanks. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Lions 31-all draw against the Hurricanes this morning, although maybe we shouldn't focus on that too much. It's all about really the second test this weekend. Eddie, how much does the performance today matter and the result matter? Does it even matter at all? No, not really. I think these are the games that you just have to play to get out of the way um, between the first and second test and there's no game next week for the for midweek team so it's all about the test series now and how the Lions can get themselves back into the series and that's that's a big challenge as we all know so I think that's the main focus. I think they'll be a bit disappointed that they had a winning position this morning they didn't close it out. Mm. Um, that'll irk them because you know getting a win under your belt midweek is no harm because it's a bit of a lift so they'll probably leave the field this morning thinking we left one behind us which would have helped the energy in, in the group but in terms of strategy and tactics and all that and maybe a little influence on selection but outside that it's not a big talking point. Yeah you mentioned selection there obviously a couple of people put their hands up as they tend mm. to in these midweek games uh, Ian Henderson being one like pretty phenomenal performance 13 carries I think seven uh, game length successes two turnovers and then just to balance it off a yellow card that yeah. that sort of resulted in the Lions capitulating a little bit did he do enough to warrant inclusion do you reckon? I don't think you'd judge him on the yellow card it's just one of those things and it can happen to anybody uh, tackle scenario but I think he made a big impact it's not so much we all know he's a good player and he's hit the straps at a good time in terms of pushing his way in if he puts him into the team uh, into the starting 15 where does he go is he into the second row? I don't really think so. He gets into the second row, particularly because he's more of a back row player. Mm. Uh, if he goes into the back row, who, who loses out? You know, um, I think certainly the, the spaces in that back five are not. There's not too many spaces there for someone to jump in and start. Maybe you know the bench is where he finds himself. But again, you don't know what way they're thinking. I think there's an element as well that this game, as I said, get it out of the way. You know, talk it up a bit. In their head, they probably have next Saturday's test side pretty much nailed down. At this stage, even you know they would have probably had a lot of chats on Sunday and, and Monday about what went wrong last week and what changes they could make. So it's hard to imagine something is going to change dramatically from tonight. We never know, but you know you're trying to get inside people's heads. But I think they'd probably be so focused on next Saturday, it's hard for anyone to burst out today and and, and say, well, I'm starting next week. We did it in 05 and it didn't work too well. We made a lot of changes actually in 05 from, from week to week, which I think was a downfall of, of, or part of the downfall of that tour. But I think, to be fair, Gatland uh, has got his selection policy right. I think he okay. did use the tour well. He did build up to the tests. I think when we got last week before the first test, we were really talking about three or four positions, which is a good indicator that the Lions knew what they wanted and where they were. And I think you look at his first test selection was a very good selection he got a lot of things right there didn't work out from that's different reasons it wasn't a bad selection so I think as well now he's in his mind he's got to think look I believed in this team last week I believe we were close what can I change that's going to change that dynamic I mean you know it's not a bad team it's probably his best team who are the guys that didn't deliver that I've got to change and there's probably a couple of positions you could argue but nothing more yeah, so you think he, he was kind of war, or he uh, was vindicated in his selection, and totally, yeah. but then you look back at it, it's a rather debilitating defeat, and it's kind of like, well, if that's my best team, where do I go with this? Well, that's the problem for him, you know, like, if you look at the team at the moment for next weekend, like, if you look at the front row, I don't think there's any changes in the front row, to be honest, I think he's happy enough. Uh, there's been talk about Hooker, uh, Rory Best coming in, but I, I think, I'm a big fan of Rory Best, but I'm just putting myself in Gatlin's head, which is a difficult thing to do, but just on somebody else's space. 
and they are seeing the guys every day and they know the dynamics of the group. You're, you're looking from the outside in. I don't see him changing the front row. Second row is debatable. Yeah, does he bring a Toji in as a starter? But who trades off then? If he puts a Toji into the second row, uh, does he drop Cruz or does he drop Alan Wynne Jones? Wynne Jones got a bit of flack, but Wynne Jones is a very good lineup technician and he runs the lineup brilliantly and he's played well throughout the tour. Uh, if he drops Cruz, he loses another guy who can do a very good job. So that's his possible trade-off. That's one change, possibly. Back row, he's talking about bringing Warburton back. At ex whose expense, at this stage, probably Peter O'Mahony's. Manny was hauled ashore early doors last week. I think O'Mahony was playing well, given the state, the player they were in, given the All Blacks were dominating possession and territory. I think O'Mahony did a very good job. He's a very good line-out technician. If he drops a man, he loses some prowess in the line-out. Yeah. Not maybe in the attacking line-out, but in the defensive line-out, where a man he can cause lots of problems, as we know. So the back row is still debatable. And has Warburton done enough to justify himself? Or has Henderson done enough today to justify himself to leave out a man? So they're massive calls. We're still talking about two changes yeah. in the pack. So you're still thinking there's going to be maximum two changes in the pack, if at all. Then you go into the back line. I think he got his midfield right. So the question is, you back that midfield or you say, we need to change number 10. And then do you drop um, Farrell and put in Sexton? That's a big call to make. He's saying that we, we were wrong last week picking Farrell. Has Sexton done enough to say, I'm a better option here? I don't think he'll go the first and second 5-8 route mm. uh, that we did in 05. We did it with Wilkinson and, and, and um, Stephen Jones. Jones. I think that's a huge risk to take. I don't see him Particularly when Theo and and Davies are playing well together, and Theo has played well, and, and Theo justified his selection off the bat. And then the back three, Liam Williams is outstanding. Um, I think Daly might be a guy they might look at, because for all he did last week, I mean, I only skinned him for that try, and mm. Daly's possibly one of the fastest guys in the Northern Hemisphere rugby. He didn't get a fingertip on Ione. And I just don't know, maybe he looks for someone like George North, maybe a power player. But Again, they're very tight calls, but you're still talking maybe at a maximum four debatable changes. So it's still going back to the core of his team. So what he has to look at now is he has to look at, hold on, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. This is my best team, maybe tinker with it, but tactically, what are we going to do tactically yeah. to beat the All Blacks? That's where the game is going to be won and lost next week, because that's where it was won and lost last week. Yeah, I mean, we were speaking before we came on air, and we were talking about how, I suppose there was a perception that based on stats and metres gained that the Lions had actually played quite an expansive style of rugby and that they had, you know, players were breaking tackles, making yards. But you'd compiled your own stats where it was actually sort of dependent on just three runners, really, and it kind of skewed them slightly. Yeah, I think if you, you have to be careful with stats because, you know, they can lead you astray. But like, the All Blacks, given their dominated possession of territory, had over 500 metres carries, which is pretty good going. Um, the Lions had over 400 metres, so on the face you go, well, it's not much in it, you know. But the problem is the Lions had half their metres, over 200 metres with three players. You know, Watson, uh, Davies and, and, and Williams carried over 200 metres between them. Take that out, and now the Lions are well below the line in terms of carries. And I think the problem for the Lions is in terms of looking at the game over eight minutes, breaking down the All Blacks with an attacking strategy. I think they used the same shape they used right through the tour. And in the first 10 minutes, it paid dividends. They got a great line break, mm. and they should have scored. But if you look at the other line breaks that came, one was a turnover, one was a counter-attack, one was a cross-kick. Um, they had big moments, but they were isolated big moments. And yes, 
they can look at it and say, if we had scored there and we should have scored, we could have changed the game. It's hard to see if they don't get those isolated moments again next weekend, how they'll create those opportunities. Whereas the All Blacks on the other side of it, if you saw their game plan, it was very constructed, well thought through, it broke down the lines defence and they looked the team much more comfortable on the ball and much more likely to score as the game went on. And that's a worry because I think the All Blacks will improve. And what did the Lions do to create more of those opportunities that they created last week? Um, unless they, they, they think outside the box, they may not come up with it. Yeah, I mean, you talk about those individual moments and maybe, like, is it almost a misconception that they, they didn't play that sort of typical Gatlin style last week in the sense that the breaks that were made did come down to individual magnificence at yeah. times and really there wasn't a sort of a, a systematic way of getting yeah. beyond the uh, All Blacks line. If you, if you want to beat teams like the All Blacks, uh, you have to deconstruct them systematically. You've got to break them off set piece or break them off face play. Now, the other thing that didn't materialise for the Lions last week, which they were probably looking to, to give them the kind of stranglehold on the game, and we saw this right through the, the tour against the provincial teams, the Lions dominated the set piece. They dominated the line-out, they put the other team under savage pressure at the line-out, so they were winning their own ball, disrupting the opposition. They had huge pressure at scrum time, winning penalties, comfortable on their own ball, and their kicking game was keeping the opposition pinned back. The problem last weekend is the scrum, they didn't dominate the scrum. In fact, the big scrum of the day that went the way of the, of the, the, of the, way, of the yeah. of New Zealand, they scored off it. They, they did snag a few line-outs, but not enough to upset the apple cart. And the kicking game, funnily enough, early doors, the kicking game was working a little bit for him because Ben Smith struggled under the high yeah. ball. But he went off with a, with a HIA and Barrett goes to full back and lords it. So Dag and Barrett just gobble up everything in the air. So the kind of dominance they were banking on at the set piece in the kicking game uh, didn't materialise and their defence got picked apart. And that pro that's the worrying thing going into next week, is how do we change that dynamic? And I suppose there's an argument to be made that it might have gone worse had Barrett not gone to fullback and, and remained at 10. Well, if you think that the, the All Blacks did lose two of their backline early doors and Barrett was taken out of first receiver. And um, I think Cruden came in and probably did okay, but he didn't set it alight. Uh, I think Barrett could have been a bigger thorn on the line side had he been a first receiver for the whole game because that's where he's causing the most problems. So like that kind of took something away from the All Blacks and you think if he's back there for 80 minutes next Saturday, it's not going to get any better for the Lions. Yeah, for sure. And then we mentioned things like, say, Liam Williams' break and we're, I suppose, speaking from a perspective where we hope the Lions can build on these moments and, and maybe improve. But then you look at the All Blacks and from their perspective, it's like, as you were saying to me earlier, we didn't lay a hand on Liam Williams there. He broke from his own 22 and went 80-odd yeah. yards. So they're going to be looking to prevent all of these well, things. They will look at all. I mean, I think the All Blacks are happy they won. They're very happy the way they played, the level of intensity. Their game plan worked by and large. But they will still look at things and say, you know, we got caught a couple of times on defence. We got caught in Liam Williams. I mean, um, Steve Hansen also referred to it that he thinks the Lions are going to try and run from deeper now in broken play. And they're going to do their homework on that. You know, and um, like Kieran Reid, who had a an incredible game of rugby based on a guy who was been out for six weeks. I, I couldn't believe his performance. He was he carried out in balls, which was off the charts for a guy who, as I say, like had been out for so long. He yeah. led the, the ball carrying for the All Blacks. Um, he made one error in that game as he he left Liam Williams step him. Had he put Liam Williams on his backside there, he might have had a turnover. So, like those moments were big moments for the Lions. Williams steps. 
he cuts loose, they make two or three passes and they score. It's a phenomenal try. But can they pull another one of those out of the bag next weekend? They're like hen's teeth, those type of tries, the 70, 80 metre tries. You don't get them very often. And I think the All Blacks will be harsh as well. They did have the Lions under pressure a few times and they spilled the ball in contact. Like they, they, they felt they'd built enough pressure and then let the, the, the Lions out of jail. They will think about that and say, OK, we're going to make mistakes, but let's keep those error counts down. When we have the Lions under pressure, let's extract something from it, even if it's three points. And um, t the, the, the problem is, yeah, the Lions could improve next week, but so will the All Blacks. Yeah. And, you know, you can't deny that. It's hard to imagine the All Blacks, you know, not stepping up another notch. Maybe not a huge notch, but they don't have to. Like they score 30 points. Yeah, they've, they are the standard bearers so far. They are so the standard bearers so far, yeah. Uh, from an Irish perspective, like we've touched upon Henderson possibly getting in a match day squad. I know there's talk as well, not from an Irish perspective, but that Courtney Law is because he was taken off so early today that he might be involved. But the other Irish players, um, Conor Murray, would you ex you'd expect him to start again? Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's the best scrum half in the world. I mean, um, I think he just he brings a lot of composure to the game. His decision making is good. He takes pressure off the ten, and his kicking game is good. I mean, like I don't see any reason to drop Conor Murray based on that game. He didn't play badly, you know. Yeah. Um, he, he just dealt, played the hand he was dealt. Uh, so, like, it'd be a massive call to drop him because going into it, we all agreed it was the best selection. So, based on his performance, that to me was a good performance. Why would you leave him, leave him off the field? Yeah, I suppose like the fact that Gatlin has come out this week and, and sort of tried to put pressure on the match officials this weekend with regards to um, some of the challenges made on Murray or supposedly would dictate or would indicate that he is going to start him, but I know you weren't overly impressed with, with that sort of narrative. Well, the best way to put pressure on, on the match officials is through the proper channels. You know, meet with the referees assessors and say, look, there was a couple of incidents there I want you to look at. I want to make it clear. Um, you know, megaphone diplomacy doesn't usually work, you know. Um, and I think, to be fair as well, Hansen took offence, understandably, because the implication was they were trying to injure Murray. So as a coach, he has to, refer, you know, he has to respond to that. But there was nobody at the end of the first half or the end of the game jumping up and down saying, oh, Conor Murray's been targeted, Conor Murray's been targeted. There was no talk of that. It was 24 hours after the game that this became part of the, of the narrative. And I thought it was, you know probably overplaying your hand a bit. Yeah, there was a couple of small incidents, but there was no evidence of a concerted targeting of Murray. Um, if you had an issue, probably keep it indoors, particularly when you lose, because it seems like you're throwing out a red herring if, if you haven't won the game. So I just thought it was just a waste of energy, and then Hansen comes back and kind of pounds Warren Gatlin on it, you know, saying like, you're, you're insinuating we're trying to hurt somebody. Uh, we don't do that in New Zealand, uh, as he says. And you're a New Zealander, so you yeah. should know better. So it's not, he kind of walked himself into another firestorm that I didn't need to get to, you know? Yeah, is there an argument to be made that those sort of, uh, I suppose, wars of words are just a distra an unnecessary distraction? Maybe not for the players, because. for the media. For yeah. sure, yeah. yeah totally, yeah. It's talking about a lot of column space. And yeah, cheers, Warren. But and at uh, the same time, is it, is it distracting no, for he himself? These guys are professionals. But not the players, but for the, for the coach himself, if he's expending energy thinking about that kind of stuff. Yeah, you could probably spend your time better, but it's it's not going to change anything. Like it, it doesn't change anything. It's probably good for the media. It's a bit of fun in games, but it doesn't change the dynamic. In some ways, maybe you know, in a way, like you could see the All Blacks going. You know, like okay, 
like we've been called out here on something we disagree with it. You give them a little bit of extra something to hang on the changing room wall for motivation. As if they needed it. <laughs> As if they needed it. Exactly my point. They don't need it. So it's kind of a waste of energy, but it's good fun in games early in the week, you know. Yeah, yeah. What did you make of the substitutes not being used today? I mean, much has been made of, of uh, these players' selection as Lions probably, well, I suppose the, uh, the story would go that it's down to convenience and, and geographic proximity almost. But uh, to, to name them in your matchday squad and then not use them because he didn't want to devalue the Lions jersey yeah. is a bit bizarre. Yeah, it is, because I, to be honest, I think he shouldn't have gone that route with selections. I mean, you know, the Lions, everyone talks about it being the pinnacle of your career, getting picked for the Lions. And, and you know, t you pick the Lions based on, you know, ability. The guy's good enough to get picked for the Lions. It's a merit-based selection. And some guys get on the Lions because a little bit of luck, someone gets injured, but that's the way of the world, you know. No one minds that. If you get on the Lions tour because of an injury, that's the way the world works. But when you pick guys into the Lions tour based on convenience and not merit, I think that does devalue the jersey. And, and bringing the, the Welsh lads in, and it's not their fault, who's going to turn down a chance to play with the Lions? It does devalue the jersey, and I think that it was a pity to see those guys on the bench. They should have, you know, gone done it the right way and brought guys in who are who are the next man up, as they say. Next man up gets in, and then not to use them as kind of almost an admission. But it, yeah, that that's what's striking about it is that to actually name them in your squad and then not to use them. I mean, fair enough if they're just standing around and training, holding tackle bags, and they're contributing or whatever. But yeah. like if they're in a match day squad and then you've got lads blowing hard in the last fifteen minutes and you well, don't the whole bring these point to bring them in was was that they would be able to be used and you know they would be part of it and I, I think the whole principle of that is, is, is flawed that it's not on merit you know it's based it's done on, on, on convenience rather than merit so I would say it's a bad idea and then you know use them or not using them is, is up for discussion but I think the fact he didn't use them maybe he felt maybe yeah it probably wasn't the best idea, you know. Yeah, we've got a question here from Fitz Mack. He says, how important is managing the ref when facing the All Blacks? It's very important to manage the ref in any test game, but yeah, the All Blacks managing the ref uh, is important. But by and large, I think you have to be careful. Like, sometimes you see guys overdoing it with the ref. They're asking every, every time he blows the whistle, they're up questioning him on everything. A smart captain picks his moments and picks the most important things. So, like... If he misses a knock-on inside their 22 and you make a big song and dance about it, you know, it's not going to change the game. Pick your battles. But if they have been off their feet three or four times and he missed it and you go, look, you need to look at this, he tends to pay attention. But if you're in his ear every chance you get, it becomes white noise to him. And then eventually he says, look, go away. You've been at me all night. Yeah. So a smart captain picks his moments. And I think as well, um, they're getting so much information over the touches. They're not always the best, or the assistant referees. Um, that they have to be careful who they're listening to. But I think, yeah, you need to build a rapport with him so that when you do speak to him, he's listening to you and he's saying, yeah, well, that's a fair point, I'll look at that. And that's all he can do. He's not going to go back and say, oh, you're right, I'll give it the penalty the other way. That's not going to happen, but it makes him aware. But you'd be careful when you engage and how you engage with him. Yeah, with, with Fitz Mac's question in mind there, how did you think Peter Romani dealt with that last week, the, the duties of captaincy? I know Murray, who isn't with us uh, at the moment, um, he's not dead or anything, he's just trapped in New Zealand a little bit, but uh, he felt that Pete could have gotten in the referee's ear a little bit, uh, Jakob Piper's well, ear a little bit earlier. Well, what do you get into his ear about? What do you ask, what, you know, do you want to say, like, listen, we'll have a coffee after, or, you know, <laughs> like, uh, it's a bit of terrible, isn't it? You need to have some issue. You say, like, oh, they're off their feet, or they're offside at the fringes. And it's not one-off. They've been at this last three or four rocks, or 
the penalty count is high. So you need to go to him with something. So if Peter didn't have something genuine, he felt, and sometimes the information Peter would go to him with is coming from the coaches. They're saying to him, look, they're offside at the fringes, because he's maybe not seen that. So unless they had a, you know, an issue to go, and he, there's no point in going. There's no point in going for a chat. So I don't think he had an issue to go to him about at that stage. I think Andy was jumping out that they were doing and getting away with that was changing the game, and he should have a row with the referee about it. So it's probably a bit harsh, um, unless it comes out later that the coaches are saying go about something they didn't. Fair enough. But I would yeah. suspect if the coaches said you need to talk to them about the offside line or off their feet the rock or they're taking out guys on the fringes, he'd go and talk to them about that. So there's, a, there's kind of a process in place. It's not just about going up and giving out. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Like uh, Before we wrap, actually, you touched upon it there uh, a couple of minutes ago, 2005, and obviously you were, you were part of that setup. How, as a squad of players and even as a coaching team, you lose the first test of the All Blacks and it's quite convincing. How do you go about, even psychologically, getting players up for that again? Or is there sort of a, a sense of doubt amongst the players that it's pretty <laughs> hard to get rid of against that team? Yeah, yeah, there's a sense of doubt and a sense of fear. Yeah. And you can feed on the fear. Fear is a great motivator. That like, If we don't get our ducks in a row here, we get our right hammering so guys can get a gauge. But probably the things as a coach you, you have to be able to do is that when the team is beaten, and I've been in New Zealand on a two test series, and we've lost the first test, um, and we've lost a couple of them very tight, very tight games, you've got to convince them that you can change that the following week. And guys want to change that. So if you can show them four or five things that make the difference and are fixable, then guys say, right, let's fix them, let's go play again. It's a hard one to sell in New Zealand when you lose the first test. It's one of those countries you don't tend to come back from losing the first test. And that's the big challenge for the Lions. But the coaches will fork, they'll, they'll stick to nuts and bolts. Look, could we better at the line or could we better at the breakdown? And Warren Gatlin referred to that after the game. He thought they were bullied at the breakdown, and they were. They lost a lot of collisions. And he, um, was, able, he was able to come out and say, look, honestly, that's what happened. We got bullied at the breakdown. That'll be an area they'll focus on. Feel if they fix that, get them back into the contest, you know. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh, do you have a prediction for us? I, I sort of, I'm a little bit fearful myself now asking this question. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not. A I'm not optimistic. I'm probably a bit pessimistic on the basis that historically it's almost impossible to come back from a test down in New Zealand. And I'm trying to find a way the Lions can f can get back into this. I don't think they can change selection too much. I'm trying to see where they can change their attacking game or change their defensive game. I mean, if they can, if they win collisions and they tighten up the defence and stop the collisions they lost last week, that's a factor. But the trouble with that is to do that, they have to play a drift defence. And play a drift defence, the All Blacks might get round them. The All Blacks are very smart, they can change on the hoof. Yeah. So it, either way they play, there's a risk involved, but they do probably have to change some dynamics in defence. And they probably have to look at their attack as well, which by and large was shut down fairly comfortably. If they can get in their heads, they can change those things to the positive and go out and execute those. But I think when you look at it, you have to go into the All Blacks, as Ireland did in Chicago, scored 40 points. You've got to be thinking about scoring three or four tries here to win the game. It's difficult. It's hard to see where they're going to come from. It's always possible on a day. Ireland did it in Chicago. Uh, but I think you're not going to beat the Lions or, or beat the All Blacks in terms of scoring you know, one or two tries and a couple of penalties. You've got to score some points and then defend really well. Um, and honestly, if I'm saying, I'm not sure where those 30 points are coming from based on what we've seen. Um, even 30 points might be enough. Yeah, in the rain as well at Wellington, you know. Well. That brings the score down, which is not a bad thing. Yeah. But I remember in 2005, in Wellington was a monsoon, and they put 50 on us. <laughs> so, you know, it's 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 
they can play around what way the wind blows or the rain. So, like, I just think from the Lions' perspective, how do they, how do they put together f- f- maybe three or four good tries uh, and kick some penalties and hold the line? That's the best way to win the test. Maybe they can. I think they've got to believe they can. It's not impossible. I think they can, but it's a, it's a big hill to climb. Yeah, believe and you might achieve in Wellington this weekend, but that's all we've got time for on the Rugby Show. On the 42.e, thanks very much, Eddie O'Sullivan, for joining us. As per usual, we'll be back later in the week. Have a good one, and uh, yeah, best of luck to the Lions uh, on this weekend. Good luck.